Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew mahold and today well we've kind of had a bit of a weird week in minnesota vikings land um the last time we spoke uh, we didn't even know that jim harbaugh was an option uh for the head coaching position that was it was it was like it was an option we were kind of like yeah i mean that's you know wishful thinking like yeah it wasn't like a realistic option right. right that was the last time we spoke since then quite a bit has happened um, in fact, George and Jim Harbaugh, ultimately we were right, right? Uh, we wasn't going to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, but kind of a lot of middle ground in there that we want to talk about. Um, some kind of fishy, weird things um, that ultimately might see Jim Harbaugh making a lot more money at Michigan. That's my guess. Yeah, so yeah, we'll yeah. dive into we'll dive into each of those little things as well as uh, the Vikings have not formally made a hire yet, right? They have not announced any hires of a head coach, but it sounds like Kevin O'Connell, who is, of course, the offensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams, who are, of course, playing in the Super Bowl next week, uh, will be the next head coach for your Minnesota Vikings. So we will talk about him, what we know about him, kind of the thoughts behind uh, the decision and what it might mean for a quasi uh, Kevin O'Connell pairing in Minnesota and what the future may look like. So we'll jump into all of that stuff and kind of the coaching uh, craziness that has gone on over the last week or so in Minnesota Vikings land. So that's the game plan for today's show. Um, let's start off with Jim Harbaugh because I, this was, um, this had Brett Favre aura to it. It did. Right? It did. Just kind of the way that it felt um, it came out of nowhere. Right. Uh, we last week, like, like I said, last time we were kind of expecting that it was going to be one of Raheem Morris, D'Amico Ryan, who of course checked out uh, earlier this week and then Kevin O'Connell, and then out of absolutely nowhere, uh, there became very serious reports um, coming from very credible sources uh, that Jim Harbaugh was a, quote, invested in the Minnesota Vikings job uh, that was, of course, vacated by Mike Zimmer. Um, that happened on Saturday, this recording as of February 3rd, uh, previous Saturday, of course. Since then, a lot has happened. Uh, the Vikings actually brought Jim Harbaugh in for a formal interview. He met with Kwesi, uh Dotha Mensa, as well as the rest of the Minnesota Vikings upper management and the Wilfs as well. Apparently, it was like an eight to nine hour interview, and that ultimately resulted in nothing. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh flew back by himself to Michigan, told his AD that he was staying at Michigan. Uh, and that was basically what happened. Uh, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's the objective information. There is no more about it, but I have questions. That was just oh, a yeah. very strange thing to have happened, especially in Minnesota. This isn't Los Angeles. This isn't Dallas. This isn't Pittsburgh. This is your Minnesota Vikings. We are not normally at the top of the news cycle for the premier head yeah. coaching candidate. Right. I mean, this was, this, this was a Jerry Jones, uh, like a Jerry Jones thing to have happen. Absolutely. Right. Yes. I mean, yes. it's Jerry Jones. He would be the guy to go try and get Jim Harbaugh, not, you know, Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, who has been on the job for a week. I mean, it was right. out of nowhere. And I mean, a little part of me now, after having all the information we do have now, a little part of me thinks that you kind of were onto something about, you know, Harbaugh creating leverage at Michigan. Um, and just trying to get himself a little pay raise again. I don't know if we're going to have information on that or if that's going to be released or, or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagine maybe he wanted a bit of a bump after getting Michigan over the, the, over the hump against Ohio state, getting into yeah. the college football playoff. Uh, and he's kind of trying to tell, you know, you know, make it known to the university of Michigan and um, you know, the AD and, and all the donors and the board there, that, hey, I, I could have an NFL job if I want it. I think he was trying to make that clear. And, I mean, it was – it to his credit, he got interest uh, from, I think, Vikings and Dolphins very quickly right. uh, about their jobs. So uh, it's it's it was a fun circus to be a part of. I think a lot of Vikings fans talked themselves into Harbaugh. And it, for a while there, it seemed like it was very realistic and it was going to happen depending on where you're getting your information. But – at the end of the day, ultimately what it sounds like is the Vikings wanted to maintain the same interview process that they had for everybody else. Uh, you know, I think the day before they had had uh, Patrick Graham in the Giants D coordinator for one of those eight to nine hour interviews. And it sounds like, according to Courtney Cronin, that they were trying to replicate the same process with Harbaugh right. and Harbaugh kind of his perception seemed to be like, I, I don't want to go through this. I thought I have the job type thing. And there was a disconnect there and it just never got on the right foot the whole time is, is at least what Cronin was reporting. So right. um, interesting how that dynamic went down. Um, I, I mean, I like I respect the Vikings for going after it. And I mean, Harbaugh's re- resume speaks for itself. And so I think if there is interest there, you certainly have to at least look into it. Um, but I, I do understand ultimately both sides, not, you know, agreeing to it. I think there's reservations on both sides that are fair. Yeah. So there's a lot of weird news that cycled with this story, right? Yeah. Of course, very non-traditional Minnesota Vikings lore, if you will. Like this isn't something the Vikings do. You made the joke that this is a Jerry Jones thing to do. This is the Vikings aren't a team that likes to grab headlines. That's not how the Wilfs operate. They just have never been like that. They seem to do yep. the process the quote right way, um, go about their business, hire their coach, hire their staff, and nothing, none of it normally meets like yeah. you know, I mean, makes the, the top Wilfs do not operate. Cycle. The Wilfs don't operate under the like all pub is good pub. They kind of want right. just good pub. I mean, right. you know, exactly. This would this would be one of those things that is kind of uh, outside the box for them for sure. Right. So I think it's very clear that in terms of coaches on the market for this coaching cycle, um, in terms of success, level of experience, um, things that you can point to and say, okay, good job, buddy. Jim Harbaugh checks all those boxes, right? He would have been kind of the premier candidate, regardless if he was actually trying to return to the NFL or not. Um, So 
first and foremost, what Drew said is it's important that the Vikings did do their due diligence in that. And especially because when you get, when you hire Quasi and you, you know, you bring in this new general manager, it's good to use his connections. We talked a little bit about that on the last podcast that with Spielman gone, you no, no longer have the George Payton connection in Denver. Now you're more of a Cleveland connection. Well, this was Quasi's San Francisco connection. Of course, he used to work with Jim Harbaugh while he was with the 49ers. And that sort of gives him um, a preview into what it looks like to actually work with this guy. And you could take it a little bit more seriously because a guy now that has the power to hire uh, is bringing in a coach that he thought was very good, that he apparently did was not a part of that disconnect in San Francisco relative to the what's been reported at mm-hmm. least, um, and it made it, it made sense, right? Um, so there was real steam behind this, um, and that steam kind of went from you know Monday, Tuesday, and then of course the interview was yesterday on Wednesday, uh, Monday and Tuesday. I think everyone believed it was. I saw a, a very credible source that said it was eighty twenty Harbaugh's going to Minnesota. Well, something happened, and mm-hmm. it's a couple of different things, and. What makes this so much fun is as a result of him not being hired, you have to, you get to ask the questions of, okay, what went wrong? Like what fell apart? Is it really as simple as Harbaugh was using the Vikings as leverage to get a new contract from Michigan because he does deserve one. And he probably does deserve new money given the circumstances of what he just did last year and the ability to leave for the NFL, essentially whenever he wants, he just, like you said, prove that he can draw interest on any given year from essentially any given organization. If he decides to leave the college ranks. So was this about that? Because if it was that, I mean, I'm kind of pissed off first and foremost, (laughs) like that's annoying. Like as a Vikings fan, right? Like I'm not trying to be objective at all here. Um, As a Vikings fan, I don't like being used. I know it's part of the game, right? Like this is what you do as an NFL coach, hell, as a division two coach, whatever, it doesn't matter what you are. If you want to make more money, sometimes you have to literally show your boss, Hey, I'm valuable, not just here, but literally everywhere else. And Harbaugh mm-hmm. was, of course, able to do that in a way that, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if it ends up with him getting new money um, in Michigan. Um, and we'll see if that's actually a result of the interview or if it's a result of him making the final four in the college football playoff this past season. All things are on the table in that regard. The other question then, if it's not as simple as that, if it's not just Harbaugh was being annoying and used the Vikings for his own, you know, for, his, for himself, basically, um, Then there's the question of, okay, what broke down? And there's a lot of weird news that circulated around this as well. There was literally something floating about a minority shareholder in Vikings ownership who is a Michigan fan who apparently hates Jim Harbaugh and previously had a vendetta against Rich Rodriguez as well. And, and he was apparently instrumental in getting Rodriguez out of there. Exactly. Doesn't like Harbaugh now. I mean, that was crazy. And they, if you look a little bit. Yeah, he this this person, uh, minority owner who is a Michigan alumnus and apparently has some, you know, is, you know, invested into, uh, you know, the Michigan football program as well. So like there's um, it's it's so weird, man. I mean, it's it's fun. It's it's fun because the Vikings are always a circus and stuff it's free like this content is, for us. Right. I right. Mean, like it's right. fun to discuss this stuff, but like it's so not Vikings like. Yeah, that's that was a thing that internal thing going on there, too. Right. And I mean, it's probably blown out of proportion because I'm sure, I'm sure in these meetings, you know, when you're deciding on general manager or head coach, you know, these are the two individuals that are going to be running your billion dollar, you know, operation. And so I imagine you try to get as many um, 
you know, input and as many opinions and input uh, as possible. And it just happened to be one person that was leaked and probably blown a proportion as to uh, happen to be a Michigan connection and is just not a fan of the guy. But there's other stuff too that was coming out about Harbaugh not being easy to work with and, you know, the right. stuff with uh, the former Jags GM or if I don't know, is, is he still the Trent Jags Bobby, GM? Yeah. So there's all that going on and, but it's weird. And there was also some different differing rumors about who initiated the interest in Harbaugh. If it was Queasy or if it was the Wilfs going after him, because there was stuff about the Wilfs had been targeting Harbaugh for a couple of years. Now there was stuff about, well, Queasy wanted to go get him uh, and it was showing ambition in his first you know week as a, I mean, there's, there's, I don't really know what to believe. Um, it's, uh, but I, fun of it, honestly. but I don't, I, I don't believe either. Right. I think one thing we should note is that I, I don't, I think we should not label this as a failure or like a, the Vikings missed out on this guy or the Vikings missed out or failed the you know, recruiting uh, of Jim Harbaugh, because uh, it, it seems to me like there are some still some legitimate question marks to be answered about Harbaugh. And I personally didn't love the fit of Harbaugh's old school kind of hard nosed philosophy with Queasy's, mm-hmm. you know, analytics based approach. Now, if, if Queasy was the guy going to get him, I, I imagine that that would be solved, but there's, there's that piece that I didn't quite love. And I like, you know, as we talk about O'Connell here in the future, in the next you know, few minutes, I think he seems to be a better fit there, but so I think there was fair qualms for, for, you know, both sides. And I think Harbaugh was fair too. You know, if there's, stuff about maybe he doesn't like Kirk. Maybe he does like Kirk. There was things, questions there. I'm sure they were talked about over and over in the interviews. And there's, I mean, I don't know. I I just can't get behind this thinking. I think the Vikings fans are all really upset and kind of saddened by this. And I just think, well, think about this way. You are the organization that turned down Jim Harbaugh, if you want to think of it that way. So we are the, you know, you know, we're the fans of this organization that turned down Jim Harbaugh and his resume uh, for Kevin O'Connell. And so, it's kind of a, I think it's a high risk, high reward decision they made, but I, I like that the Vikings are going for that high risk. Yeah. I, I don't consider this a failure. I think the the biggest news fail, or I guess the biggest failure relative to news or the biggest disappointment probably is a better term here. Wasn't the Harbaugh news. It was D'Amico Ryan's deciding that he doesn't want a second interview, which yeah. has this loose connection to Harbaugh as well. Right. Uh, yeah. I believe it was Ben Gessling who kind of made a, passing mention of D'Amico Ryan's potentially turning down that second interview because he had heard that Harbaugh was going to be interviewing in Minnesota, which to me, that's what's disappointing here is that I think that Ryan's might've been the the better candidate and the better actual fit. Of course, he has San Francisco ties too. And he decides that ultimately that he's going to go back to San Francisco, continue being the defensive coordinator there and continue developing his skill set to be a head coach in the future. To me, that's the biggest loss of all of this. It's not Harbaugh. Like I, I think Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. I think he's obviously got the most decorated resume. There's no denying any of those things, but you also have to kind of consider like what you were talking about before is that if you bring in Harbaugh, you're also bringing in an old school mentality. You're bringing in, um, a guy who has a style of play that is not, probably adaptable to this, to the contemporary 2022 NFL. I have no doubt that this guy can coach in the NFL, but you also are by doing so as you're bypassing the unknown of some of one of these younger guys. And to me, mm-hmm. D'Amico Ryans was the guy that I thought would be a, the best possible fit. Ultimately you're going to get Kevin O'Connell. 
and you get some of the same as D'Amico Ryan's if you get if you know ultimately the the Vikings do in fact hire him it's been reported by everyone that that's what's going to happen I'm going to act under the circumstances that he will be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings once the Super Bowl is over right um but you hire a 36 year old head coach right um not a whole lot of experience. We don't really know what he, who he is as a head coach. You do know who Jim Harbaugh is. So you're in theory, you're taking the bigger gamble here. It's not the quote safe pick and it's not the experienced hire or the hire that, you know, can run an effective organization and take a team to the NFC championship a couple of times in a row and the Super Bowl as well. It's, it's none of those things, right? But you do get something new, something fresh. Um, You get a mentality that's going to be adapted to, 2022 for sure because you're working under the the Sean McVay coaching tree now and you know what Sean McVay can do and you know what his coaching tree has looked like spread out across the NFL in fact one of those guys will also be opposing him on Sunday next Sunday in the Super Bowl and Zach Taylor who is in what his third year as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals after a clunker of a year and then he gets Joe Burrow and all of a sudden there he is and I'm not saying that Zach Taylor is some phenomenal coach but he is in the Super Bowl and the trend has been with McVay coaching tree alum or coaching alums is that they have had some varying levels of success with their new organizations. And you hope that Kevin O'Connell, of course, is the cream of the crop and yeah. that he being the offensive coordinator with the third ranked offense in the NFL this season, not necessarily calling plays, but being a definitely being a big part of what has gone so right for Matthew Stafford this year, you hope that you know, he's able to build a staff around him, and that you've got this new age mentality and a coach that you can grow with. And I think that's really important here because Jim Harbaugh might get bored in four years and leave. Kevin O'Connell, in theory, could be the coach for the Vikings for the next 15 years if things go Mm -hmm. well. This could be a Mike Tomlin type hire for Pittsburgh, where if things are going consistently and you're seeing good results and this guy gets you where you need to go, I mean, this could be your coach forever. And that's yeah. something that I think is very valuable in today's NFL with so many coaching cycles, so many firings, so many changing of the guards. This could be something special. And I think I think the Vikings are trying to get their Matt LaFleur here, who, who oh, is, by yeah. the way, another coach there in that go. same tree as McVay and Kyle Shanahan and you know that group. I mean, there's another one. Um, and so this is the Vikings trying to answer that. And I, I that's why I like O'Connell as the, you know, I – I did. I couldn't get myself to pick a favorite between he and Harbaugh. I liked them both for different reasons. Um, but the nice thing with O'Connell is I think you're really, you're trying to go about it in a modern 2022 way, trying to build um, the, you know, the modern offense pass first um, using the analytics uh, to your advantage, um, which seems to be working for, you know, Matt LaFleur, right? He's 39 wins in three seasons as a head coach. It's not bad. And so to have sort of that uh, on your side now, which has certainly not been the case with Zimmer over the years, I think is is awesome. And now, I mean, the next question becomes then the quarterback position um, and what they do there with what O'Connell wants to do there. But uh, I think this is a huge turn of events for the Vikings Um, just to get, you know, the kind of the, I saw this word used on Twitter to describe the past regime and I'm going to stick with it because I like it It might be a little too uh, aggressive, but crustiness, the crustiness of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman uh, is now being replaced by the fresh youth of Queasy and Kevin O'Connell. 
And I think there's, you know, I think there's certainly a possibility for failure there. I think there's a higher risk than, you know, bringing in Harbaugh, but I think the reward could be a lot better too, where the, you know, the, the um, consistent competition uh, or, you know, com- competing for championships could be built and last for a lot longer time than it would with Harbaugh. So I am a fan of, of O'Connell. Um, I think it is a risk for sure. His experience is not that great uh, in the sense that, you know, young dude, he hasn't been calling plays much, if at all, in his career. But I think it's a risk you take when you're at, given the Vikings situation right now. I was just looking while you were talking, I was looking up the different ages of the four people that are involved in this transaction or this transition, I should say, yeah. um, from Rick Spielman to Quasi Adolfo Mensa and uh, from Mike Zimmer down to Kevin O'Connell. And uh, the different Quasi we're saying is about 40 years old. There isn't, yep. for whatever reason, there has not been a definitive source. I, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure it's 40. 40. Yeah, yeah, we're going to say 40. The combined with Kevin O'Connell is 36. That's 76 years old. Well, Mike Zimmer in and of himself is 65, right? And, <laughs> and Rick Spielman, <laughs> yeah, he's 59. He's going to be 60. He's going to be 60 this year in 2022. So, I mean, 77 years on Earth versus what would that be? The math is about 105. Like yeah, about 125. I mean, okay, do you do do you lose some experience? Yeah, absolutely. Like you do not have the same level of experience for sure. Right. First time GM, first time head coach. There's a gamble there for sure. But the crustiness, which is is hilarious, it's a very, very funny term, but (laughs) super fair. Like these guys aren't set in their ways. This kind of goes back to what I was talking about the last time when we were talking about the hire of Quasey, that it's like they don't have anything to fall back on. This is their first gigs. Uh, they have to work together. There's no complex there. There's like there, Kevin O'Connell can't be like, oh, I was, you know, third ranked offense in Los Angeles. So I'm we're going to do it my way. Like they'll say, go to hell, dude. Like, I don't, I don't care. You were an offensive coordinator. Didn't call plays like prove it as a head coach. Right. Like there's no complex between these two people. And I think the collaboration aspect, which is something that was definitely you know, harped on during the introduction of the Vikings do GM was lots of collaboration, lots of brains working together to formulate one, you know, strong opinion on whatever it is. Um, And I like that. I like that the backgrounds are similar where you've got guys who are, you know, O'Connell, of course, a former quarterback in the NFL as well. I really like that as his background. We've seen in the past that, by the way, Jim Harbaugh, also a former quarterback in the NFL, former quarterbacks seem to do pretty well as head coaches or at the very least as coaches, right? Um, Because they have a good understanding of what's going on around them. They have a good understanding of both offense and defense. And, you know, you can call him, quote, offensive-minded Kevin O'Connell, right? Uh, But he also has a very strong understanding of how to read a defense, how that defense is going to break down. And that, to me, gives him really a stronger ability to facilitate an entire offense and defense than Mike Zimmer ever had because Mike Zimmer was never interest interested no, in no, touching no. the offense. He just wanted to be the defense and then also kind of, you know, be the guy he that picked his offensive hand. coordinator every year because there was a new one every year. Right. So, and that's another thing. That, that's by the, the way. piece that I really like about this. And, I, and again, I don't, the only thing I really had against, you know, D'Amico Ryan's Patrick Graham, uh, these, you know, Raheem Morris, like these D coordinators, right. the only thing was I wanted an offensive minded coach. I think um, the Wolves I, did too. 
I maybe demanded it a little too much or wanted it too much, but I think there's something to these, these coaches that are these head coaches that are having success for a long time, you know, building consistency are doing it because they're controlling the offense, which seems to be a way more important part of the game. Uh, if you look around the league, look around the, you know, which teams are finding success. And it seems like, you know, the best offenses are doing much better than the best defenses, right. Uh, in terms of wins and losses, it seems to be that that trend has, it's kind of flip-flopped, you know, old school football was defense wins championships. I don't believe in that. Now I believe offense wins championships and you can't really build that continuity year over year. If you have a defensive coach, because in your offense, that's the coordinator thing. leaves and that's where the Vikings have struggled. And I don't know how much that has actually played in the Vikings uh, failures over the years, but I just, I look around the league and I see offensive coaches having success a lot more than defensive coaches to me. So uh, I wanted to try that out. And I like that they got a bright young guy who could, he could burn out completely. I, that's totally possible, but I think the re- potential reward is definitely worth the risk here, especially where the Vikings are and the, uh, the situation they're in where they can start over at quarterback here if they want to in the next couple of years. So a couple of things here that I was, that I've been thinking about that. So first of all, getting the offensive guy, like you said, it, it creates no, less, well, no turnover um, in terms of calling plays. If Kevin O'Connell is going to call the plays, um, he has the right to do so, and he can do so for as long mm-hmm. as he is the head coach, right? And the offensive coordinator position, of course, becomes not nearly as important um, as it has been in Minnesota over the last 10 years or so, right? Uh, the, the As a result, though, now you could, in theory, have a rotating door of defensive coordinators. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to think about because it's Mike Zimmer is – he as a defensive coordinator is very difficult to replace, right? Because he does have such an exotic style Mm -hmm. of calling defense, different alignments, things of that nature. But I think in general, it's a lot easier to replace a defensive coordinator. And I could be completely off base. And maybe, you know, this is going to be something that will be tested over the next few years. But a couple of reasons is that one, Defensive coordinators are must are seemingly less likely to become head coaches in this NFL right now for the exact reason that we just discussed, that no one wants offensive turnover. No one wants it. They prefer to have the defensive turnover. So offensive guys are being hyped. I mean, Denver, what they just did with Nathaniel Hackett, you know, you've had other teams, you know, go out and get an offensive guy as well. That just seems to be the trend for the most part. And yeah, there, there are certainly exceptions to that rule. And the Vikings nearly were that team, but for the most part, that's what it's going to be. And it's, I think it's more likely that you lose a good offensive coordinator than you lose a good defense coordinator. So that's fact number one. And then number two is that I think that a good defense in the system itself is easier to replicate at replicate from coach to coach than it is for an offensive guy, because an offensive system is in theory, it becomes the, it becomes your own. And yes, that's true of defense as well, but defense doesn't have as many moving parts, right? Unless you're calling blitzes on every single play, like Steve Spagnuolo or Mike Zimmer, or, you know, some of these guys who are reckless with their blitz packages, sometimes it can just be a very simple front. Like we're going to run four, three, we're going to have zone on the back end. We're going to rush the pass rushers off the edge and we better get pressure. Otherwise we're going to suck. Mm-hmm. That's some defenses in the NFL offense tends to be, I don't want to say more creative because it's definitely creative on the defensive side of the ball as well, but it becomes more your own, the head coach, in my opinion. And again, you can mold it a little bit more. 
Yeah, they have a little bit more like they you can move your X and Y receivers around a little bit more. You can design who's going to be touching the ball on a play. Whereas the defense, you're dictated by what the offense does. You can't guarantee that you know Jalen Ramsey is going to cover the best wide receiver on the field. You can't necessarily guarantee that because they could run you in motion, they could do a lot of different things to move you around. Like, like yeah, you can try, but like the point is that a point that I'm making is that offense dictates defense. And for that reason, I think it's good in this NFL to have an offensive guy because a defensive coordinator tends to become a little bit more replaceable. And yeah, I guess I, mean, it, I can be it, proven it, right or wrong over the next few years, but I think that's where I'm at. I think it just comes down to, I think you want to be the aggressor in football games yes, today. Definitely. You want to be the aggressor. If it's whether it's a fourth Look down no decision further than the rule in, 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 uh, in overtime right now, you right. absolutely want to be the aggressor. Yeah. I mean, it's, whether it's a fourth down decision, you know, something like that, whether it's, um, you know, throwing the ball past the sticks, you know, ultimately you want control of the game. You want to be the aggressor. Um, and you can't do that on defense because by nature, the term defense, you are defending, you are, right. you know, you are subject to what the offense on the other side does. And so you, I, I, that's why I see offense being a, you know, it's like a 60, 40 balance of what's important in the NFL. This isn't to say defense isn't important, obviously, or special teams for that matter. Um, but, you know, as you saw, the Packers collapse completely in the playoffs, largely due to special teams. Uh, right. But I think I think offense, it's just controlling the game, being able to dictate the result so much more uh, than defense in the NFL. And so having an offensive head coach, I think bodes better for the future is, is a better option in today's NFL. And so I'm glad the Vikings went that route. Again, I, I don't want to knock D'Amico Ryans as a candidate, Raheem Morris as a candidate. It's just, I personally wanted that offensive mind coach because I'm sick of a new offensive coordinator every single year. And then, cause that's the thing. If they do well, they get head coach interest. If they stink, right. then they go somewhere else to be a, you know, passing game coordinator. And right. they're not, they're clearly not for the task, AKA Clint Kubiak. So, I'm, uh, I mean, I, again, to kind of sum everything up, I know we've kind of bounced all over the place here, but O'Connell, I think was to me the right hire, uh, especially if you were not going to do Harbaugh or go for Harbaugh. Uh, I could have been talked to into Harbaugh very easily just based on the, the possibility of a championship window opening very soon, given his track record. Um, but ultimately if you're going to rebuild and rebuild the right way, I think O'Connell was the kind of the right move. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of look throughout the Vikings history too. I mean, <clears throat> the Vikings aren't like the bears in the sense where they, for the most part have been a defensive franchise. Like, yeah, the purple heat purple people leaders exist. And the Vikings have had some big name individuals uh, mm -hmm. playing defense, but for the most part, they've kind of switched back and forth. And so like, it, it's been a definitive change. You know, if you think about, you know, before Mike Zimmer, yeah, you had the Leslie Frazier year, but years I guess but before that it was Brad Childers and Denny Green so essentially you went from offensive minded guys to defensive minded guys and now we're back to offense and I think that that's part of the NFL is you have to kind of flow with the style of the game and you're right like ultimately this is a this is a league that has become very offense heavy um, and Kevin O'Connell is kind of in theory again I don't know enough about him and his coaching style yet to say this with confidence, but he's supposed to be quote, the next big thing, right? The next great young coach 
play caller, offensive mind, whatever term you want to use, he's supposed to be all of those things. And Jim Harbaugh would have been fine. I'm sure that Jim Harbaugh would have yeah. been a great coach, um, but I mean, he's not. He's an established pro that has was probably going to get you immediate results more, or excuse me, he was going to get results more quickly. But O'Connell has a guy as rebuild, which is what the Vikings need to do, by the way. He has rebuild written all over him, and it gives you the opportunity to truly revamp what wasn't working. Mm-hmm. It's different. It's a different style of hire. Well, and, yeah, it's a gamble, but it is what it is. Well, and you look at these coaches, right? You talk about McVay, uh, Lafleur, and, and Shanahan. You know, those are the kind of the three that come to mind when you think of similarities between you know, you know, O'Connell as a bright young offensive mind, and both you know that that coaching tree in Washington and. He was a brief part of that in 2017 uh, with Washington. I think he was actually just after those guys had left. I think Lafleur might have still been there. Uh, but the uh, you know the point is like those guys have very easily you know they've they've shown how successful they could be. I mean, you talk about Super Bowl appearances, NFC Championship games. I mean, they've been a staple. I think one of those guys has been in the NFC. At least one of them has been in the NFC Championship the last four years now. Uh, between McVeigh, Shanahan, and Lafleur, I mean, they've been in there every year. So, yeah, you have to be optimistic in that regard that there is the the potential for really high, you know, positive results here. And if it burns out, you you try again. I mean, that, that's where I'm at. Is kind of I'm sick of the, you know, nine and seven, eight and seven, you know eight and nine, seven and nine records over and over and over. Um, you know, and, and then 2019, they made the playoffs because they played like eight back of quarterbacks. You know, this team has been average every year since 2017. Um, and I'm kind of sick of that. I don't want to be average. I don't want my team to be average. I want my team to be either in rebuild mode to become great or mm-hmm. already great and a real contender. And so I think this is a step to take them there, uh, whether, you know, maybe not immediately, but uh, the roadmap is there. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting move, and it's um, it's definitely it's definitely a future play, right? Like I don't think I, I fully expect the Vikings in twenty twenty two to be um, in full rebuild mode, mode and not highly competitive. Like yeah, they have some good pieces on their roster to be good, uh, but I think that you're going to see, you know, you're not going to see immediate results. I think this is going to be similar to what happens when you hire a brand new style of coach to an organization that is essentially re- rebuilding from the top down. So. I don't think, and I should say, by the way, that the Wolves are definitely going to be patient with these hires as well, too. If you hire a first-time GM and they if have you been. hire a first-time head coach, you have to be operating with the notion that you're going to be patient with them and allow them to you know, establish their ground, bring in some of their own players, um, make their own decisions that are for better or for worse, will define the franchise over the next four, five, six, seven years, hopefully longer, right? Um but there are a lot of good things here. And I think that really what it comes back down to um, is what we were saying before is that you're adopting a new age of playing football. You're not, you're playing money ball to a degree with Quasi, and you're bringing in a head coach now who is at the forefront of the, one of the most high powered offense in the NFL that isn't guided by, you know, I don't Patrick Mahomes or whoever it's, it's Matthew Stafford, like great quarterback. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of people listening to this that think Kirk is better than Stafford. So, right um, now, if you can get well, a third maybe, ranked offense than, from Stafford, then right. yeah. And now, maybe next show we'll talk about you know Kirk's future a little bit and how that might be have been affected by this. But um, either way, I think it's a high risk, high reward, high risk type of move. And I like the Vikings going that direction because I think Queasy's kind of the same way. 
I think there's, you know, a lot of potential benefits by, I mean, to be had by this duo together, running the team, running the organization. So I'm in, I I'm in. Um, and you know, the Harbaugh interest was fun. It was great. It was, uh, fun to be on Twitter during those few days. <laughs> uh, right. but I think this could work out for the better for the long term. Maybe not short term. I think they'll have to be. I think this is kind of going to force some Vikings fans to be a little more patient than maybe Harbaugh would have forced them to. But I, I like this move. I think there's a. Uh, I think the arrow was pointing up for sure. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I was going to be pretty optimistic regardless of who Quasey hired because I do really like him as the general manager, especially after watching that you know, introductory press conference and kind of getting a feel for him as a person as well as, uh, you know, an Mm -hmm. executive in the NFL. Um, But this does feel right. This feels like a good, this feels like a good landing spot. I mean, the the reason why the Vikings haven't named the head coaches because their new head coach is coaching in the Super Bowl. He's, he's coordinating offense in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, that's okay. That's why we can't officially (laughs) name it, like, you know, call him the Vikings head coach yet. So, right. You can't go um, wrong with that, right? I mean, no, and that would can't. have been the case with Morris too, you know, either one of the coordinators. Exactly. So I think this is a lot of fun. I think that's honestly, you know, it's a very broad and general term, but this is what it comes down to for me. This is a lot of fun. And you don't know what either of these guys are going to be like. And to be honest, I don't think either of them know what they're going to be like just yet. But I think draft season just became a hell of a lot more fun. You know that Kevin O'Connell is going to try to get his quarterback, right? And it, it may be, it's probably going to be Kirk in 2022. Let's be real here. But he might try to get his quarterback this year. He may wait till next year. We'll see. But he, at some point in time, he's going to try to get a new quarterback. And that's also super fun as you know, fans who, especially fans who aren't super fond of Kirk Cousins. But mm-hmm. it's it's a fun situation to be in. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot of things to think positively of here. If like, Drew, if like Drew was saying, you don't think of the Jim Harbaugh situation as a failure. And I don't think it was a failure. I think it was Jim Harbaugh being an asshole and he just leveraged the shit out of the Vikings. That's what I think. That seems That's more and more likely the more I think about it. <laughs> yeah. So I think he got played. I think he got a free plane ride to Minnesota, probably a free couple of meals and a good look at the facilities. And then I'm sure we'll find out more, but I, I don't think this was a Vikings fail. I think this was Harbaugh doing Harbaugh things. That remains to be seen, I suppose. But is there anything else today that we did not cover, or do you think we did a good job with that? Uh, I, in my unbiased opinion, yeah, <laughs> I think we did. Yeah. yeah, we did. We did fine. This is not supposed to be an information-based podcast. I don't think any of you listening to this are waiting for us to quote statistics or algorithms or anything of that nature. But uh, thank you, as always, for listening to us ramble on about um, – the latest addition to the Minnesota Vikings franchise, as well as kind of the weird little thing, whatever the hell that was with Jim Harbaugh. I, it's, it's funny because it's going to be something that I'm going to think about for years to come. Like there's going to be a day in 2025 when someone's going to be like, dude, you remember when we almost got Jim Harbaugh? It's like, no, I, it's I, like, uh, it's like when uh, in 20, oh, 2018 or 2019, Adam Schefter tweeted uh, that, the Browns were going to interview Condoleezza Rice for their head coach job. Remember yeah. that? It's, it's still one of those things that I think about all the time. I mean, it's, it's a weird phenomenon. Like it, it just yeah. doesn't. Yeah. I, it's very strange. And I am very, very interested. And I hope more stuff comes out about what the disconnect there was 
because I, I am very much under the belief that Harbaugh is just trying to get more money from Michigan. But we will see. So thank you, as always, for listening to us. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast, we are available there. Uh, make sure to check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket team. Uh, I know that they've been doing a lot of great stuff on Vikings Happy Hour specifically. Um, you know, there's been some unreal guests that I think they had Chad Graff on there. Um you know, three hours after the Harbaugh interview concluded. So they're, they're doing, they're doing great work on that show. So make sure you're checking that out. Um, and the rest of the team too, um, plenty of good content available. Um, Daily Norseman for all your blogging needs. Uh, feel free to check that out. That's our home base. Highly, highly recommend it. One of my favorite blogs on the internet Vikings related, of course. Um, and yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's the end of the show. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next week.